Alright, so we're in Galatians chapter 6 tonight, and tonight we are continuing tradition started. This is going to be the 8th year. I can't believe it's been that long. Started tradition back in 2014 on Hanukkah of preaching against the Jews. And back in 2014, I preached a sermon called God's Chosen People. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, when I preached that sermon, I wasn't even on YouTube back then, but I did put all my ser- the audio sermons online. And I was... I was really nervous about preaching that sermon because I knew there was I was going to deal with fallout. And I will say, when I preached that sermon, I did deal with some pretty severe fallout that um, I've never spoken publicly. I've had I had some things said to me after that message that I can't still to this day really speak publicly about. And this subject is one that in the Baptist world. If you are right on it, you will get in a lot of trouble. And I will say, seven years later, I've seen a lot of improvements, you know, in the IFB in this area. I've seen, uh, first off, um, when I first preached this, I didn't know of hardly anybody that believed this way in the IFB. I knew of a few, but not that many. Uh, I hadn't heard much uh, preaching on this subject, but I will say since then, I found out there's a lot of people that have believed this way for a long time, taught this way, and then I've seen a lot of people in the IFB fix a lot of things they have wrong. They're not all there yet, but they're they're doing better. And then I've seen others that have just dug in and remained in stupid and remained in error, and that is a shame. And there's so much that we could uh, speak on when it comes to this subject, and I've covered a lot of different things, but I do want to uh, focus on something very specific tonight. We're actually going to get the title of the message from chapter 5 in Galatians. But before we can do that, I want to go to chapter 6 to point out some things that were going on uh, so we will understand chapter 5 a little better, better and what Paul was dealing with. But notice what it says in Galatians 6 verse 11. It says, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature and as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. And so we started out with this passage here to give you just a little glimpse of what was going on in Galatia. Because right? first off, we don't have time to go through the whole book. But in chapter 1, we see that another gospel was being preached in this church. And we know that this was a gospel that included works. And specifically... Specifically, the work that was brought up was the circumcision. It was referring to Jews were coming in that were supposedly saved, and they were trying to bring back some of those ceremonial things that were in the law. And that was a damnable heresy. When you add any works to salvation, you are perverting the gospel when you do that. Now, what's funny, in the, you know, the anti-IFB world. They love the book of Galatians. They love preaching against legalism. And understand that that's an appropriate subject, you know, to preach against legalism from Galatians. But what's funny, some of these same people that even do this kind of thing, I've seen are caught up 
in some of this dumb Hebrew root stuff that's going on. And the thing is, you add any work to salvation. It doesn't have to be circumcision. It's another gospel. Okay? I mean, you can make it baptism. I mean, you can make it speaking in tongues. You can make it, I mean, anything you want, you add that to the gospel, then you've created another gospel. The gospel that Paul preached was one that was without works. But the, but the thing is, we do need to address the fact that these laws that were being brought in were things that people at one time were supposed to do, but we're not supposed to do anymore. Okay? It's not like, you know, there's a difference between, you know, again, adding any works to the gospel is bad. Okay? But at the same time, it wasn't a good thing that they were trying to get them to do. It wasn't like something they were supposed to do. You know, like, for example, baptism. We are supposed to get baptized, aren't we? But the ceremonial things they were trying to be, bring back were specifically things that they were not supposed to do anymore. Things that were finished. And he deals with that through this book. And it's important that we understand that because, you know, they did have, you know, these things were more deceptive because there were, they were things that they used to do. Things that they were supposed to do. Now, Paul made it clear those things never saved anybody. But they were supposed to do them at one time. So it would make it real easy for guys to just come in and make it like this was still something that was supposed to be going on. But Paul, he said no because these things are just confusing people on the gospel. And he, these were ceremonial things. And so we know that it was circumcision that was... Uh, he was referring to in Galatians 1 because I do believe from some of the things Paul said, he was referring back to something that went on in Acts chapter 15. Now, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts 15, it says, "...in certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved." And understand, for Jews, telling somebody to get circumcised, I mean, that's just something that they all did. That seems... Very normal, but the thing is, Gentiles were now getting saved and who weren't circumcised. And you know what? They got pretty freaked out when they heard they were going to have to do that. And Paul they, and the, the apostles, they got together, they started talking about it, and they said, you know what? No, you don't have to be circumcised. Why would we tell these people they've got to keep the law when we've never even kept the law? And Peter, Peter preached a good sermon about that. Back then, they all came together like, no, we don't have to do these things. And you know what they did? They went back and they comforted those Gentiles with that great consolation when they found out they didn't have to do that. They were glad to hear that. That was really good news. And so the thing is, here in Galatia, though, think about false prophets. They're always trying to sneak it back in. They're always trying. They, they never give up. They're always trying to push these things. And so the apostles, they did. They nipped these things immediately in Acts 15. But I, I do believe this is what Paul's referring to in Galatians. And so while circumcision seems to be the main thing people were going back to, said it's okay if a preacher gets up and uses that principle to preach against any works being added to salvation. It's okay for a preacher to do that, but we should always remember what the original heresy was. And it was circumcision. And that was significant because that was a Jewish practice, something that God had given to Old Covenant Israel that they were trying to bring in. So keep, keep that in mind. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he lays out here in chapter 6 what the real motivation was that these people had. Because it's like, you know, why would the Jews care so much about these Gentiles to get saved? 
being circumcised. Why? And Paul flat out says, it's so they could glory in your flesh. That was what Paul said. And you know what? Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross. Did you know that as Christians, and folks, this, you know, this is so second nature to us that we can't even imagine people thinking differently on this, but there are Baptists today who think differently on this. I've seen it recently where Baptists of Jewish descent have literally gloried in their flesh and literally like to talk about their Jewishness and then act like I can't say anything against their culture and against their ceremonial things that they're trying to bring back. They act like I can't say anything about it because I'm not a Jew. And I'm anti-Semitic if I say anything about it. I want to load them up in boxcars and I want to gas them or something like that. That's what they act like. If I just preach against the same stuff that the Apostle Paul preached about. Again, it's like you got, you know, and I do, I look at some of these, these Messianic Jews that are even Baptists. And I sometimes, I wonder about them. I was like, you know, I think we've got the same problem going on back then. We've got these Jews coming in that aren't really one of us. Just trying to kind of infiltrate. And I think this is terrible. Because, you know, there, there were things under the Old Covenant that were different about the Jews that made them a special people. That's why God gave them that covenant of the circumcision. But did you know even that never had anything to do about bloodline? Because you could become a Jew if you would get circumcised. You know, but those things, they never saved any of them. And that was even clear in the Old Testament because they never had, they didn't have the circumcision of the heart. And that was talked about in the Old Testament. So this didn't stop, though, unsaved Jews from wanting to still be different and special in some way. They, you know, it's like they couldn't just let anybody be like them spiritually without actually being like them physically. It's like, you know, as Jews, we've always prided ourselves in the fact that we've never ate any of these things, that we have the circumcision. We just, you know, and so, okay, fine, we get it. We accept the fact that Jesus is Messiah. He paid for our sins on the cross. But are we really going to let these Gentiles who aren't like us be like us spiritually? Okay, fine, Paul. We acknowledge the fact that it's the spiritual and that it's not the physical. We must be born again. Right, we acknowledge that. They're saying that, but at the same time, they're telling these Gentiles when they get saved, you better become like us. And what they were sneaking in was wicked. It was wrong. It, it perverted the gospel. And so these people, they were using the things from the law because that would help them look legit. They weren't making up new things. They were using things from the law. But the Apostle Paul, in his letter, he exposes them as the hypocrites that they were because you can't just take one or two things from the law and then, you know, say, well, this is all you need to do. When it comes to the law, it's all or nothing. And that's what he said in Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified in the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And often we use Galatians 3.10 to prove to people that, hey, if you violated any law of God, you're guilty of the law and you need to be saved. And that's appropriate. But understand the Apostle Paul, he didn't use the verse in that way for that reason. He, was, he, he made that quote right there to just show that it's foolish to go and require anything from the law as a part of salvation because 
you, it's an all or nothing deal when it comes to the law. So this is foolish to bring back any of these things and to put them on Gentiles. It's a foolish thing to do. It's, it's hypocrisy. And Peter, you know what? He stole that from Peter. Peter said that back in Acts. He's like, why are we going to put a yoke on our neck that we were never able to bear and our fathers were never able to bear? They looked back and they said, none of our ancestors ever kept the law. So why are we going to put this on these Gentiles? And they, they understood. The just shall live my faith. So we can see from reading this letter that some had bought into this teaching and clearly were not saved. But you know what? I do believe in Galatians there were some who probably were just dabbling in it a little bit. They were dabbling in some of this Hebrew root stuff that, you know, let's go ahead and let's take some of these ceremonial things from the Old Testament and let's make them a part of our practice here at the church. And let me tell you, Paul's trying to put a stop to this. He's trying to put a stop to us. And he did. He started out in Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you under the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So some clearly were not saved, but there were some that Paul just kind of wondered about too. And we'll see some scriptures on that. So, but we do see a growing movement today of Christians, and I use that term very loosely, who are caught up in something that's known as the Hebrew roots movement. They're trying to get Christians connected back to their Hebrew roots. Okay, Now, obviously there's different levels of this thing, of this type of thing, and I can't possibly accurately represent every group who identifies with that movement. But I will say this, I've yet to see any group that is caught up in this Hebrew roots movement at all that has a good gospel presentation. I've not seen one yet. I'm not telling you that they don't exist, but I've never seen a group that is caught up in any of these things. I'm t- I can't even find a group that blows a shofar that has a good gospel presentation. I'm just t- I'm not I'm not being funny. They all stink. They have horrible gospel presentations. You know what they all, you know what their gospel presentations look like? The one the apostle Paul was dealing with in Galatians chapter 1. It's a gospel that adds works. It's amazing how these things don't change. Yeah, they're getting connected to their Hebrew roots. But Paul was trying to pluck those roots up in Galatians because he understood nobody got saved by those old covenant things, those ceremonial things. Nobody got saved by that stuff. And everyone who's trying to bring these things back, and you do, show me the group that's out there, blown a shofar, wearing a yarmulke, that's preaching a good gospel presentation. I'll say, well, they're weird, but they're saved. But I can't find them. I, I just, I can't find them. So... Uh, you know, it, so when, so often when false prophets, what they do, they'll often take true statements. And this, I see this all the time. I've, I've seen it just in the last week with people that have gotten mad at me because I'm saying bad things about Hanukkah. And don't make me preach my Hanukkah message again, but I encourage you to go back and listen to the last year's Hanukkah message because it was really good. I, I went, uh, I went and listened to it again. I was putting clips and stuff out there on, on Twitter trying to straighten out these Zionists out there. I don't know if I succeeded or not, but I was mine. I was like, man, that's a good message. I wanted to preach it again. But anyway, what they do, they'll make true statements. They will state facts about something. And it's like it gets your attention. Ooh, everything he just said is true. But then they apply those things in a way that's completely false. So it is, it's a very deceptive thing. So I'll give you some examples. I'm going to say some things that are true, 
You know, so it, it gets your attention, but the people that are out there saying these true statements make applications that are just dead wrong. So, for example, people will say, you know, we're conne- as Christians, we're connected to the Jews of the Old Testament. And I agree with that. I mean, the Apostle Paul referred to them as our fathers. So I, I, be- I believe that. I believe we're connected to Abraham. I mean, good night. The Bible tells us we're children of Abraham. So that, that's a true statement. We're connected to the Jews of the Old Testament. But let me ask you, what does that have to do with you wearing a yarmulke? What does that have to do with you lighting an eight-candled menorah or a nine-candled menorah? That's not what they had in the Bible. It was seven candles. Go see my Hanukkah message on that. Right? What, what does that have to do with that? What does that have to do with blowing a shofar? I mean, I get it. We, we've got some connections there. You know what they'll say? The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Okay. Uh, I, I believe that, that, you know, that's true, but then they use that as, an, so, you know, they use that as an excuse to use all the Hebrew names of God, you know, start calling them Yahweh and all those things and Jesus, Yeshua, all that stuff. But the thing is, you know, your congregation doesn't speak Hebrew. They don't know how to read Hebrew. What, what are you doing? Sounds like you're just trying to bring that Jewish culture into our church. I, I don't see, just because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that's not a command for us to keep that Hebrew culture in our church. Because their culture wasn't very good. But they'll say, Jesus was a Jew. I, I agree with that. You know, I, I agree with that. He was uh, took on him the seed of Abraham. But at the same time, uh, that doesn't make you special. Because I remember Jesus telling Jews like Nicodemus, you must be born again. So I, I seem to remember learning that the way that we are Abraham's seed is by being in Christ. And we don't get in there by any physical ancestry. So, okay, fine. Jesus was a Jew. That just showed that he fulfilled the prophecies that were prophesied in that, that, were prophesied in that line. But that doesn't mean anyone else out there today is special because they're a Jew. So, um, you know, they, but... The statement Jesus was a Jew, that's a true statement. They'll say, this, this is another one I heard this several times this week, and it's one of the reasons I put those clips out there. They'll say Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication, which is what Hanukkah is. It's a celebration of the Feast of the Dedication. And they'll say Jesus went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. Okay, great. What is that? Did Jesus light a nine-candle menorah during that time? Oh, wait, no. I think he preached to the Jews, and the Jews wanted to stone him. You know, and, and let me th- and let me just say this too, because you know the, the, the other thing they'll bring up is Paul observed Old Testament feasts, and Jesus celebrated the Old Testament feasts. Okay, well, listen, Jesus celebrated the Old Testament feast because he was there under the old covenant. The Apostle Paul, he would go to Jerusalem during different feasts. You know why? Because guess what? If you want to preach to the Jews, why wouldn't you go to Jerusalem when all the Jews are coming to Jerusalem? He didn't do it because he needs to keep this feast because he's just making sure he stays connected to his Hebrew roots. No, he's thinking, I care about my brethren. I care about my loved ones. They're all going to be in Jerusalem during this feast. I need to get back to Jerusalem for that feast. That was why he did that. So he could go preach to them. So they'll just say these things like that. Paul wanted to get to, he wanted to get to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, we're going to use that as justification for having a Seder dinner at church. That doesn't even resemble the Passover of the Old Testament. Go see my message 
on should Christians celebrate the Passover? And no, we should not. Not, not, like, not, not the way they're doing it. And not even the way they did it in the Old Testament, we're not supposed to do that. I celebrate the Passover every Sunday. The way I, the way I see it. Every time we are just remembering Christ and what He did, and just trusting in Him. I mean, it's like every day is a Passover for us. You know, we don't need to, we don't need to do those things. So, just understand a lot of these things these Hebrew roots people say, they make true statements, but then they apply them in ways that are completely unbiblical. Don't fall for that. But that's what they put in their literature and stuff. You know, and it, it gets your attention. Oh man, I never realized that. You know, and then people get sucked into it. Don't fall for that. So, just how much of this Hebrew root stuff should we mess with? Because, you know, after all, we do use the Old Testament to teach a lot of doctrines. Don't we use the Old Testament all the time to teach about morality and things like that? So, you know, maybe it's okay to use some of it, right? I mean, how, how much of this stuff should we mess with? Well, go ahead and go to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, this is where we're going to end up getting our, um, the title of our message. And this is a, it's a very important thing that we need to understand that a, a lot of people are completely missing. And this is something too that will help you understand what we're supposed to take from that Old Testament and some things that we're supposed to not necessarily leave, but understand we've gotten past that are finished. And it, it shouldn't be that hard, but people make it complicated. But look what it says in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, when ye were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, what does that mean? This is important that we understand this. What are elements? What are the elements of the world? Because he said, at one time, you were under bondage under the elements of the world. Now, turn over to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, another word that basically means the same thing as elements. We're not going to go read. I've, I've got a bunch of definitions up here. But elements, what, the Webster's 1828 dictionary is the first rules or principles. Or an, uh, another word is rudiments. Rudiments means basically the same thing. Rudiments is a first principle or element. Okay? So, what does that mean? Well, let's look at what it says in Galatians 2, verse 8. It says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, talking about Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised. You hear that? Ye are circumcised, folks. Really? Yes. With the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What elements are or rudiments are, those are like first principles. Those are those old things under that old covenant. And those, so elements, often we just think of it as like some kind of like metallic thing and material thing. But no, those elements, whenever the uh, New Testament's talking about them, that's referring to those things of the Old Testament. It's talking about those vessels, things like the menorah that the Jews are wanting to light and they act like there's some significance to that. Things like the Ark of the Covenant, things like the altar of incense, all those things we read about, those things were a part of their worship. It was a part, uh, it, these were things that they did as a people 
that were necessary for them to kind of appease the wrath of God and to please God during that time and to follow Him, those sacrifices that they would do, the circumcision, the offering of the two turtle doves, I mean, all those offerings and those things that they did that we read about in the Old Testament, the scapegoat, the, uh, you know, the, the red heifer, all those things. Those were a part of the first principles. Those were those rudiments, those elements, those first things that they had. But understand, at, when Jesus Christ came and died, He finished those things. He replaced those things. Those things are done. And so when the Apostle Paul is warning people about uh, philosophy, vain deceit, traditions, the rudiments of the world, he is specifically referring to those old things of Judaism. That even some messy, you know, so-called messianic Christians are wanting to mess with today. They're saying, hey, they used to blow trumpets. And, and so they're not, you know, said, you know they're, they're bringing in these shofars and things. They're trying to bring in all these materials. They're trying to bring in all these elements that were from the Old Testament. And folks, we don't have to do that. Now, is it wrong to, is it a sin to blow a shofar in church? Of, of course it's not a sin to blow a shofar in church. But let me tell you something. If you're doing it to try to connect to those rudiments of the world, those elements, those things of the Old Testament, and act like you're replacing some process and some uh, ceremony that they had in the Old Testament, you know what? You are out of line if you're doing that. You know, if, you, if you're making, you know, I mean, is it wrong to burn some kind of incense in church? Maybe we're just doing it to make the building smell good. You know, that's not a sin to do that. But let me tell you, if we're doing that, it's like making an offering for sin and trying to please God with it. You know what? You are out of line for doing that kind of thing because Jesus finished all that stuff. We've been specifically told those things are done. So understand the Apostle Paul, he warned about bringing those things into the church and somebody being spoiled through the philosophy and the vain deceit and tricking people. All these things that he's bringing up are those old covenant things, those ceremonial things, he warned against making those things a part of church. And so, uh, another definition of rudiment is the, the original of anything in its first form. And so, yes, I mean, and these people, they'll do it. They'll get up and they'll read all this stuff from the Old Testament. They'll say, see, this is what they did back then. Okay, I get that. But the Apostle Paul in the New Te Testament warned us about going back to those things. So why are you messing with that stuff? It's not right. So it was those old ceremonial carnal ordinances. And you know what? And I, I tweeted this out yesterday because I, I was adding some stuff to this and I thought this was good. But I, you know, I said, you know, I'm all for getting back to the old paths. But you know what? If we're going back to Jeremiah 6.16 old paths, did you know we went back too far? We want, you're, we're going back too far. Every preacher today, when they want to preach about old-time religion and the old-time way that is a good way, they go to Jeremiah 6.16. But you know what? In Hebrews 10.19, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, I get it. Nobody's talking about this when they preach about the old paths. But you know what? If we wanted to get real technical, we could say, you know what the old paths was? It was what they did in that temple. 
But you know what? When Jesus rent that veil of the temple, you know what he was basically saying? We're done with the old paths and we got a new way. We got a new way and a better way. So if you, so if you stop and think about it, we're actually on the new path, aren't we? We're on the new way. We're in the new and better way under the new covenant. Now, our new way is 2,000 years old. But I'll tell you this, right? You know, so the thing is, you go back to Jeremiah 6, 16, old paths, you went back too far. We need to go back to Hebrews chapter 10, old paths. And if we go back farther than that, we're going to be in trouble. And we've got a lot of people today, they are, they're going too far back. They're going too far back and they're bringing things in they shouldn't bring in. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Because our completion, it's not in a circumcision. We don't become like full-blown Christians, you know, when we get circumcised. And let me tell you something too. I'm all for changing your life when you get saved. I think you ought to do that. We teach you ought to do that kind of thing. But understand, our completion is in Christ. You're not complete when you give up all your drinking and smoking and chewing and all the stuff the Baptists are against. That's not when you become complete. You know, you're complete when you get saved. Our completion is in Christ. And, you know, we want to, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, doesn't mean we're not supposed to grow here on this earth and try to be better and get some of that junk out of our life. But, but we don't ever want to, we don't even want to teach that those things get you saved. And that's kind of the real danger that Baptists have today is we, is a lot of Baptists start saying things like, well, you know, you can't be saved unless you get baptized. Or they won't even say that, but they'll say, if you get saved, you'll at least get baptized. You'll at least go to church. You'll at least do some of the things that we want you doing. Now, why do they do that? Same reason the Jews, so they can glory in your flesh. So they could glory in your bodies in the chairs and pews. So they can, you know, glory in their numbers. So they can glory with their evangelist friends. Look at how old paths our people are. All our ladies are dressed like ladies. All our men are dressed like men. You know, and it's just a way to make a fair show in the flesh. We've just changed the look a little bit. Okay? And there is, there's not a huge difference sometimes between the IFB and the Hebrew roots crowd. The IFB, we just try to get us looking like this. And let me tell you, I like, the, I like our look. I do. You know, I think I look IFB. You know, I got the comb over. You know, I've got the, uh, I'm clean shaved right now. You know, uh, that, that's very IFB. I got the suit. I got the tie. I mean, man, you know, I, I am, I am, I have, I am IFB. Some of y'all, you got the facial hair. Um, I, you know, they preached against that in the 70s. Uh, it's not very old paths. Uh, you know, th- you know, we got, we got to work on some of that stuff. But, you, you, and you know, I'm joking. I'm having fun with you on that stuff. But in some churches, I mean, they literally preach against that kind of stuff. And the thing is, it, it's, it's literally happening where if you don't become like us, they start questioning your salvation. You know, if you don't want to do three to thrive, I don't know. I, I don't understand these people not growing. Something's wrong. Well, can you please tell me what's wrong? I don't know what it is. Something's wrong. Yeah, and then everybody has to get saved every year. But look what it says in Galatians 4, 4. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. It sounds like those people that were under the law needed something special. You know what they needed? Adoption. You know why? Because their Jewishness didn't matter. Now, but we're Jews. Yeah, but you still need adopted. And you know, we got adopted too. But these people that he said needed adoption were under the law. They still needed that. You know why? Because you're not a child of God 
just because of your, your lineage. That doesn't make any sense. And it says, and because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And let me tell you, we are not capable of achieving that sonship. We have to be born again. Adoption was our only hope as Gentiles. And adoption was the only hope for the Jews too. Because you know what? Under the law, they would be disinherited. Every single one of them would be disinherited under the law. But they, they had to have adoption of sons too. It says in verse 8, Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, and this is where we get to the title. Look what it says. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. You know what he called those elements? Those first principles? Those things of the old covenant? Those, those menorahs? Those, those uh, you know, offerings? All of those things. Those circumcision. You know what Paul called them? He called them weak and beggarly. It doesn't sound like he was just proud of his Hebrew roots and his Hebrew heritage. So you know what he said those things were? They were weak and beggarly. You know why? Because they didn't get anything done. They didn't get anybody saved. Every one of those people that were under those things that tried doing all those things were under the curse because they didn't do all things. And every single one of those people needed adoption of sons. They needed their fullness in Christ. And he said, why would you go back to those weak and those beggarly elements and all these people that are going, that are supposedly New Testament Christians, believer in Christ, and going back literally to the elements? to the rudiments of the world and trying to incorporate them in church today are in violation of what Paul said. He's like, why are you doing that? And look, let's, let's look what he said. Because, you know, you know, I, I'm making fun of these IFB guys that I wonder about you. And let me tell you, there are some things that make me wonder about people's salvation sometimes. You know, but it ought to be what they're professing. But you know what? You know what, Paul? But here's what made Paul wonder about these people. He says, ye observe days and months and times and years. Now, isn't that something they did in the old, you know, they kept those feasts? And you do. You have Christians, literally more and more churches are observing those Old Testament feasts. Which, this is another study for another day. I'm just going to tell it to you. When it comes to keeping the feast, they were also a package deal. You don't just keep the Passover. If you do the Passover, you have to do the Feast of Unleavened Bread that's a whole week. And you know what? You don't get to take shortcuts on the Passover. You don't get to take shortcuts on the, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If you're going to do the feast, when you do the Feast of Unleavened Bread, later you're supposed to do the Feast of First Fruits, and then 50 days later you've got to do the uh, Feast of Pentecost. There's all these. It's a package deal. You've got the Feast of Tabernacles, and if you're going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, you can't go to Branson, Missouri to keep the Feast of Tabernacles like these people are doing today. You know where you go to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? You go to Jerusalem. Oh, but wait, they can't go to Jerusalem because there's no temple there. You know why? Because God destroyed those things. Why? To stop people from going back to them. Because that's, that's what was going on in that day. They kept going back to these things. And so when I, when I see a Christian especially talk about observing the Passover, I just, I want to cry. I want to fight them. I, I mean, it, it really upsets me greatly 
Because one, you're spitting in the face of what Jesus did. And then two, you're ignorant. You're so ignorant of the New Testament and you're ignorant of the Old Testament. Every one of these people, and let me just call out there, any, anybody out there who has ever, and some people do it in ignorance, they don't know any better, but I'm calling them out. If, if you have ever participated in a Seder dinner, okay, you ought to ask God for forgiveness for that right now. If you don't know what that is, it's their new version of Passover today where they have a satanic plate with a star of rim fan on it that has these six different uh, spots on it with six different type of food and they eat all these Jewish things on there and they do it. That, that's their way of observing the Passover. We see nothing like that in the Bible. But that's what they're doing and I'm here today to tell you it's synagogue of Satan junk and Christians have no business messing with that type of thing. And I've seen Christians who don't even have Jewish, you know, they aren't physically Jewish or whatever, doing that stuff just to show their support for the Jews. And you know what they always do? And folks, these people, they, they, they tweet pictures of it. I see this stuff. They tweet pictures of them eating these Seder dinners on their satanic plates with an Israeli flag on their wall. And they all do that. They all put an Israeli flag on their wall and they do it. Some of them light menorahs. And it's just like, have you people ever read the New Testament? And you know what? They haven't even read the Old Testament. The ignorance of this kind of thing gets me, gets me fired. And you know what? You know what Paul said? People who do that, you observe days and times and all, all the years. He said, I'm afraid of you. Lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Something's wrong with you people. There is, hey, did I, all this work that I did here in the church, was it for nothing? All the teaching that I did, I mean, is there no Holy Spirit that would cause you to fall for another gospel? That would get you going back to these weak and beggarly elements? I mean, how anti Semitic of Paul? I mean, I was told so, so many times I'm anti Semitic this week. And I didn't, I'm not even talking about the Jews. I got called that by a bunch of Jews. Don't care about that. By Christians. Anti-Semitic because I'm calling them out for going back to the weak and beggarly elements. You know, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're just against Jewish culture, Jewish heritage. I'm against going back to the weak and beggarly elements. I mean, do you think the Apostle Paul, you know, did he hate the Jewish culture? Did he hate the Jewish people? Absolutely not. He loved them way more than I do. He said, I could wish myself were accursed. For my people, I don't feel that way about them. <laughs> I, you know, but but Paul did, and you know what? He used stronger language than I do, and he understood these things were wrong, and he wondered about these people. He Paul was showing them you're supposed to be past these things. These things were of old. And Paul so at, he he also he also called what they wanted to go back to bondage. Now now why is it bondage? Okay, why is it bondage to be doing these things? And again, because if you add any works to the gospel, then you have another gospel. So this is not teaching you can lose your salvation as an individual. Okay, but when Paul said this to these people too, when he's talking about this labor in vain, I don't believe he's teaching here that somebody can lose their salvation and or not even necessarily that none of them were saved or anything like that. But let me tell you, you can get to a point we talked about this morning where if our doctrine gets bad enough, we can get to the point we're not getting anyone else saved. That can happen in a church, and it will only be a matter of time before our church is completely ruined and all the labor that's done is in vain. And folks, 
we've already got you saved. Why are we still working on each other? Why are we still trying to grow? You know why? Because we want to produce fruit. Because we want, we want to grow. We want to see more people saved. And so that's why we continue to work. That's why we just, we continue to have a church. We don't just get people saved and then forget about them. But understand, if you get saved and you get caught up in junk like this, then you're not accomplishing anything. You're, and Paul understood this was a big problem. So, you know, here's the big question. Can we do these Jewish things? as long as we're not doing them for salvation. Because this is what a lot of these people say. Well, I, I agree with what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians. I agree. Legalism, bad. But, you know, I'm not doing, you know, we're not observing Hanukkah. We're not observing Passover for salvation. We're just doing it in remembrance. You know, we're doing it to just get connected to our Hebrew roots and things like that. And, you know, and, you know, you wouldn't be down on some, uh, you know, German that once a year went, to something and put on some lederhosen whatever and you know did their little uh gypsy music and dances and things i mean is that wrong i mean is, is that wrong to do that kind of thing i mean i don't know that it's necessarily a sin as long as you keep the drinking out of it but but at the same time there's a big difference because it, these things that they're going back to at one time were something they were those first principles that they were supposed to do but all of those things were something that were a shadow of what was to come. They were a picture of what was to come with Jesus Christ. And so, I don't believe we should mess with that stuff at all. It says in Colossians 2.20, it says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. Again, these Hebrew roots people, they don't want to talk about this. They don't know what this means. All right, These Zionist Baptists, they get caught up in this. They don't know what this means. They said, if ye, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world... Why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Okay? And then, and then note what he says here. Touch not, taste not, handle not. It sounds like when it comes to those first principles, those rudiments, those elements, he doesn't even want us messing with them. Paul said, touch not, taste not, handle not. I remember seeing that in my dad's church in a refrigerator on some food. It just said Colossians 2.21. And I was like, what is that? And I went and I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But you know what? When you see somebody lighting a menorah, you know what you should think? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Don't mess with that stuff. When you see them doing their Seder dinners, and you know what? That's not even, that doesn't even apply to that. That's something completely different. Okay, but all of that stuff, these people that want to blow their shofars in church, these people that want to wear their yarmulkes and do all these weird Jewish things that supposedly, you know, some of them come from the Old Testament, some of them don't. You know what you should say? Touch not, taste not, handle not. I don't have anything to do with that Hebrew root stuff. It, it's, it's all garbage. I think we need to stay away from it completely. I mean, Paul was even worried that they observe the holidays. He said, you know, he said I'm afraid of you. You observe days and months and years. You know what? I, it's a red flag anytime a Christian tells me they're observing Passover. It's a red flag to me. And it's a huge red flag when they tell me they're observing Hanukkah. It, I, I worry about them when they do that. Something is very wrong. Colossians 2.22 says, in referring to those root elements, or those uh, rudiments, he says, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. You know, the traditional way these things were practiced back then were not even the way God wanted them done 
And, to, and today's ways have gotten even farther away. It's another thing people don't realize. The way the Jews were doing the things in Jesus' day were so wrong, and Jesus was constantly calling them out for those things. The methods people have come up with today are even farther away than they were in Jesus' day. And folks, I'm telling you, we have so much more to be accountable for. I believe it is worse for us to be messing with those things than it was for them doing it wrong in Jesus' day. You know, at least back then, they were supposed to be doing something that resembled it. But we're not supposed to be doing it at all. We're not supposed to touch it, taste it, handle it. These things can give a pretty good show, but you know what? They can't beat with Jesus. Look what it says in verse 23. Which things indeed have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor, to the satisfying of the flesh. I mean, some of that stuff looks pretty good. It looks pretty impressive. I mean, you know, look at all these, you know, cool hats and things these guys are wearing. And look at their fancy beards with the curly locks and things that they've got going on. You know, look at their prayer shawls and uh, all the beautiful colors and the menorahs. You know, in our church, we don't have all that stuff. Where's all our artifacts? Where's all of our vessels? Where's all of our holy things that, you know, where, where are those things? You know, we're not going to get sidetracked in those things. We're focusing on Jesus Christ, who's in heaven. We've got the Holy Spirit. That's in our heart. Those are the things that we're worried about. It says in Colossians 3, right? Continuing this thought, we all know this passage in verse 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. We all know this verse, but folks, the context of this is if you're Christ, seek those things which are above rather than those things that are on the earth, those vessels, those elements. Those things of the Old Testament. Yeah, there's a temple over there in Jerusalem or there was back then in Paul's day. Yeah, there's a temple in Jerusalem. But you know what? Seek those things that are above. Yeah, they've got an Ark of the Covenant. They've got, they've got that giant candlestick. They've got that altar of incense. I mean, they've got these amazing, these beautiful things over there that Israel has prided themselves on for many, many generations. But you know what? Seek not those things. Seek those things that are above. Let's talk about the temple that's in heaven. Let's not talk about the circumcision that you did in your flesh. Let's talk about the circumcision of the heart. Let's talk about the circumcision of Christ. Let's not talk about the laws that you've kept. Let's talk about how Jesus kept every one of the laws and our completion is in Him and not in yourself. Let's seek those things that are above. That's what Paul was talking about there. And we use that verse all the time to just get people heavenly minded. You know, hey, stop worrying about all the problems. Stop worrying about your bills and things. You know, let's think those things that are above. Hey, let's think about our mansion in heaven. You know, that's not wrong. That's not wrong. But you know what? Let's get the original idea of this. And it's let's think of the things in heaven instead of the things on this earth. Meaning the temple. Meaning the things of the temple. That is the context of that verse. And then he goes on and says, Set your affection on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Let me tell you, I have no affection for the vessels and things of the Old Testament. You know, I used to be fascinated with the idea of the Ark of the Covenant and hope they find it someday. But you know what? I have. I've literally come to a place in my life where, for one, I'm convinced they never will find it. I think it got melted down when the temple was destroyed with all the gold. I think it's gone. I think it's history. And you know what? I hope it is. I do. I hope it is. I hope that thing is gone. I, I guarantee. I, and let me tell you. I always loved hearing the stories that Jews told about how they know it's under that Temple Mount somewhere and all that stuff. I could tell you those stories. I, I hope they never find it. You know why? Because it was a weak and beggarly element. And you know what? If I did find it, I'd go ahead and touch it. And I'd go ahead and open it, and I don't think my face would melt off. 
You know why? Because today I know about the one that's in heaven. There's a mercy seat in heaven that Jesus went and poured out his blood on. And I'm getting to heaven through what Jesus already did in heaven. My affection's up there. And so, you know, you find an Ark of the Covenant down there. All right, cool. You know, great. Helps prove the Bible, whatever. But, but either way, I don't, I don't need that. It doesn't matter. And that thing will not, that Ark of the Covenant, if they, if they do find it, it won't do a thing for anybody. You know what it will accomplish if they do find the Ark of the Covenant? Everybody be, praise the Jews. It will. The Zionists will go nuts. They will eat it up. They will love it. Act like it's the greatest thing. But you know what? It means nothing. It doesn't matter. And so if you're caught up in that, you know what? You're wrong. You're out of line. Your affection is supposed to be on things above, not on things of the earth. And again, if you want to make an application that's talking about television, it's talking about money, talking about all those things, you know, I think you can make that application. But specifically, it's referring to those things of the Old Testament. And it, it, we shouldn't get caught up in that. So here's why it is so wrong to mess with any of this stuff. It's because of the fact these things did at one time have a place in Israel. They pointed to the work of Jesus Christ that was to come, but they were only shadows. What Christ actually did on the cross was so much better. And to focus today on things that were so inferior to what Jesus did, and to focus on a shadow rather than on the actual person of Jesus Christ, you know what? That's an insult to him. That's a real insult. Colossians 2.13 says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath ye quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Why did he, now, why do you bring up the uncircumcision of your flesh? Because, again, you got people messing with this Hebrew root stuff and thinking, we got to do some of these things. No, you've been forgiven. You've been resurrected even while in the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, how was Jesus able to do that? Because that was a part of the law. I mean, circumcision was a part of the law. If you didn't get circumcised according to the law, you were cut off from the people. That's what the Bible said in the Old Testament. But you know what happened? In verse 14, it says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Folks, do you think Jesus took that out of the way so we could all go back to it and focus on it and to glory in it? No, he nailed those things to the cross. You know what we glory in? The cross. We glory in that, and to go back to any of those things is an insult to Christ. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you and meet. Who, is, who would try judging us and meet? Well, there's several groups out there. One of them is the Jews. Let no man judge you in meat or drink or in respect of any holy day. Oh, you guys celebrate Easter, but we are still observing the Passover that's much older. You know, Easter's pagan, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. That's what, we, that's what we celebrate. And you know what? They said not to let anybody judge you in that. Or of the new moon. You know, you got these people too that want to go off the Jewish calendar and act like that still matters somehow in... Uh, that goes off moons, and, and I won't get in their calendar, but or of Sabbath days. What are you Christians doing? You know, in the book of Acts, we see the Apostle Paul going into the synagogues on the Sabbath day, not on Sunday. What do you think that's all about? Uh, well, maybe if he was one to preach to Jews, you're going to go to where the Jews are all at. 
And guess what? They're all at the synagogues on the Sabbath day. If he'd have gone there on Sunday, nobody would have been there because they'd all been out working the fields. That doesn't mean we have to have church on Saturday. What's wrong with you? Let no man judge you in that. And I'm not, you know, if somebody brings that up, laugh at their ignorance. You know what? We can have church on Monday if we want to. You know, we're, we're not, but we definitely don't have to do it on Saturday. And you know what? That's the last thing we would do because if we had church on Saturday, especially if they'd have done it back then, it would be real easy for people to get caught back up into observing the Sabbath. It would have been, I mean, folks, they were fighting this, these elements coming into the church already. Meeting on the Sabbath day could have easily turned into make sure you don't do any work and going right back to all the Sabbath day foolishness that they had during Jesus' day. And so it makes perfect sense that they would say, you know what, let's not even work. let's let's just have church on Sunday. You know, that way we don't even it does we're not even tempted to go back to this type of thing. Because it would happen. I guarantee you it would happen. We've seen weirder stuff come back, and the Sabbath was another really big deal they had. And so messing with the rudiments of Judaism, and this is I think this is one of the best illustrations I could think of to kind of illustrate how foolish it is to mess with those old things and it would be like if my parents okay i'm 41 years old if my parents if they still referred to me you know as the baby 41 years you know after i was born when telling somebody about their son and then oh you have a you know you have a child and then they show me or they they go to you know somebody wants to know about their son they don't know me they know my parents. Oh, I, I like to see something about it. And then they show me a picture of my mom when she was pregnant with me. Here he is. Okay. I mean, I mean, that was me making my mom that big. Yeah, that you know, that's me, you know, in her stomach there in the picture. And then, oh, okay, you know, so who is that? You know, is it a boy or a girl? Well, you know, it's a baby. You know, listen. That doesn't represent me anymore. Do you all understand that? Because you know, back, you know, back then, my mom didn't know if I was going to be a boy or girl. They didn't know my name. They didn't know any of those things. And now here we are 41 years later. If my parents are going to try to show somebody something to reveal me, I would hope they would go to you know, a more current picture. You know, show a picture that you know, has me you know, at this age with my family, you know, they, they've got, they'll tell them my name, my gender, you know, what I do. And I get it. You know, my mom was necessary for me to come into existence. And you know what? The Jews were also necessary. You know, for a time, God needed and the prophecies were that the Messiah was going to come through them. But you know what? He came and now the focus should not be, you know, on, on them. It should be on Jesus Christ. And if my mom is just showing all these pictures of her pregnant, it's like she's just keeping the focus on her. And it's like, no, I'm a person now. You know, the cord got cut. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm an independent individual now. And I don't know why she would show somebody that if they wanted to know about her son. And that's all she reveals. That, that, that wouldn't even make any sense. That doesn't show people what I look like, who I am, what I've done, even what sex I am or anything like that. And we have had Jesus Christ revealed. The Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven with the Father, and yet we've got 
so-called Christians today, hey, let's go back and let's focus on those old things that were just a shadow of what was to come. That people didn't understand. That doesn't make any sense. We should not do that. And then to have Christians today lifting up and glorifying Israel rather than the one that came from Israel. Folks, these kind of things should fire us up. And you know, and we show a great deal of mercy. We mean, I, I show mercy to the point that it gets a lot of people mad at me on the subject. And it's partly because, you know, I, I was caught up in this stuff at one time. But folks, this dispensational stuff has been getting preached against a lot and a lot of places. We have the internet now. Folks, the word is out. The cat's out of the bag. Dispensationalism is a bunch of garbage. Clarence Larkin was a heretic. C.I. Schofield was a heretic. Peter Ruckman was a heretic. And people who are continuing to echo the teachings of these people that are so contrary to the Bible, you know what? God's going to hold them accountable for it. And it's about it's high, high time they jump on the bandwagon and they start preaching the truth on this subject because it is wrong. They get so aggravated that we believe God replaced a physical people with the spiritual people who had the faith of Abraham. They get mad about that, but yet they replace... Jesus Christ every day with an ethnicity. That is wrong. They should not do that. And so this, but you know what? This is what modern day Judaism is trying to accomplish. They're the ones putting all this stuff out. They're the ones, folks, it wasn't a Christian that came up with the Seder dinner. It was a Jew. It was a modern, it was a modern day Jew. They're the ones coming up with all this stuff. And yes, Jesus did come for Israel. But salvation isn't in Israel. It's in Jesus. Israel was never good at pointing people to God. And you know what? They still fail. And everyone who gets caught up in Judaism, you know what they all do? They all point to the woman instead of the son. They point to the group you know, that the Messiah came out of. And that's wrong. We should not be glorifying the woman. We should be glorifying the son. That's where our salvation is. And you know what? Thank God for people like Mary. But, folks, how is it any different? Zionist Christians were all over the Catholics for lifting up and praising Mary, the mother of Jesus. Aren't you doing the exact same thing when you glorify the people that Jesus came from? And at least Mary was a good example. At least Mary was a a great woman. At least Mary was saved. Highly favored of women. There's a lot of wonderful things that we could say about Mary And then they get all bent out of shape at the Catholics exalting her while they exalt the whole ethnicity that rejected Christ. At least Mary was at the cross weeping for her son. They're glorifying the people that were crying out, crucify him, that were crucifying him. And this is wrong on so many levels. And you know what? A lot of of these young guys that are still repeating this stuff, they're doing it because they feel safe. Let me just say, if, if you're a Baptist today and you're still echoing the Zionist foolishness. They're doing it as cowards because of the fact they know if they say anything to the contrary, they're going to be in trouble. And so they feel brave and they feel bold saying it now when they know they're protected in their IFB circles. But here's what they need to ask themselves. Where are the big names on this subject? The big names aren't saying that much to us. The big names don't want to interact with us. You know what they're doing? They're sending their flying monkeys to come after us. Because the big names, they can't answer the questions that we've got. They can't answer the scriptures. 
that we have. So they send their expendable flying monkeys, their expendable water boys, their pawns to come after us with their foolishness, hoping one of them will get lucky and nail us somewhere. And, and they can't do it. And you know what? These young guys need to stop being their little water boys for these people. You know what? We don't, why won't these people, we don't, why won't Dennis Coral take my phone calls about his book? I love that. I've, I've been so nice to that guy. I like that guy so much. And I, you know, he, he wrote a book about supporting the preacher of rapture. I've wrote him letters. I've tried calling him. I've left messages. He doesn't want to talk to me about it. Why? You know, I, I don't think these people want to be accountable for this stuff. I'll be nice to them. I, I've got too much respect to be mean to them. I wouldn't record the conversation and release it to the public. Why, why won't they talk to me about it? Because they're wrong. And you know what? I believe they're answering for it. I think this is one of the reasons the IFBs are struggling the way it is. They, they, can't, they, they can't get any of these things right. And I'm telling you, um, I believe God's going to hold them accountable for this stuff. At the time of this ignorance, God winked at. You know, God saw how the Schofield stuff all just infiltrated everything. But you know what? God has raised up many people who've called these things out, awakening people to this. And these people better get on board. They better get on board or they're going to keep losing their people to the Trendies and the Calvinists and all these other groups that are out there. And they need to preach the truth. And so I hope this was a help. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'll uh, just help us to look at these things in the Bible, Lord, and just uh, help us to never make some of the same mistakes that early church did. Help us to recognize the fact that those things of the Old Testament, while they're interesting to study, that they, uh, they're fascinating, Lord, because it just shows your providence that you always knew what you're going to do, Lord. I pray you'll help us to never get so focused on them that we take our eyes off Jesus Christ, that, you'll always, that we'll always make him the focus. And I, Lord, I just pray you'll uh, help us to just wake up, at least the fundamental Baptist world when it comes to this subject, Lord. They have uh, just fallen hook, line, and sinker for this dispensational foolishness and Zionism. And dear God, I just pray that uh, there will be awakening, an awakening in the IFB world and they'll get these things right and they'll stop in, uh, encouraging people and facilitating people to go back to these weak and beggarly elements. Lord, you did something so much better. And uh, we rejoice in it every day. And I pray, Lord, in the future, when we read about those uh, first principles, those rudiments of the old covenant, that we will just be thankful for what you did because of the fact we don't have to do all those. And so we thank you again for it. In your name we pray. Amen.